Good morning. It is good to be with you. And I'm excited to be able to start with you this new season of ministry, which for us we call Global Focus. Now, some of you don't know what Global Focus is, and some of you need a reminder of what Global Focus is. And I'm glad you asked me to do that. We're going to take a couple of weeks to do that. Normally, right now, you would be seeing banners all over the church. Didn't seem quite normal to hang banners when we're not really here through the week. Normally, you would see tables out in the gathering room of all of our mission partners represented from all around the world. And, you know, we're not here during the week to look at those things, and our partners aren't coming here. But it's important for us, even in this time, to think about what God might be doing in the mission of the world. You know, we, we forget sometimes that when we sleep, God works. When we vacation, God works. When we think that we're kind of stuck on hold, God's working. And it's important for us to remember that, especially during these times, because we have a mission to take care of. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 28. We're going to look at two passages of Scripture this morning. But Matthew 28 has to be foundational for any church that's going to find their way through mission. If we're going to understand what it is that we're called to do, we need to look at this passage. Every one of the Gospels actually has a passage that's similar to this. The one that's a little bit uh, different is, is the Gospel of John. If you read the Gospel of John, Jesus actually gives a kind of a personal mission to Peter as Peter is given this kind of restoration back to ministry. Aren't you grateful that God restores people? I'm grateful for that. But when we look at this, we see in all of the Gospels this same thing. It's Jesus, after his resurrection, about to ascend into heaven, and he gathers the disciples together, the people that are around him, and he begins to speak to them. And you have to think that what he would say to them would be very important, right? If you've got one last thing to say, this would be important. So let's read this, Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always until the end of the age. Now, if you think about missions, you probably think about it in terms of the context in which you grew up in. That, that's, that's just normal for us. So just to get a quick poll, how many of you are Southern Baptist, born and bred, your whole life? You, I mean, this is just normal for you. When I say these two words, you nod your head. Ready? Lottie Moon. Right? I love it. Some little kid one time asked his mom, said, how long are we going to have to pay that old lady off? You know, I mean, like... What is that? If you're not familiar with who Lottie Moon is, in Southern Baptist life, we have traditionally done missions through what's called the Cooperative Program of the Southern Baptist Convention. What that means is that every dollar that you give to Judson Baptist Church of your tithes, we portion off some of that and we send it to the convention to do two primary things. One is that we educate people through our seminaries at a discounted rate. So that's an incredible benefit to our convention is that we're training up the next generation of leaders and missionaries and, and all kinds of things. But then we have foreign missions that we call the International Mission Board, that mission agency. And then we have the North American Mission Board. So when you hear somebody say Lottie Moon, they're traditionally talking about the Christmas offering taken every year that goes and funds international missions. 
I mean, it's an incredible thing. If they talk about a lady named Annie Armstrong and wonder when we're going to pay her off, that's for the North American Mission Board, and that's generally taken uh, at the Easter time. Now, in, in our lives, we have traditionally done that as Southern Baptists, but what that did was kind of make missions this idea that you give to it, but you don't have to be personally involved in it. But I think when we read this, it says, yeah, you give to it, and we'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later, but it says something more than that. It says that we have a commission as a church given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's given to the church. That means it's given to us as individuals, right? So I want us to just look at this because there, there's a qualifying statement that Jesus makes about this that makes it possible for us to do it. And then there are three things that he tells us to do as a church. Now, remember this. We do a lot of things around here. But we have to do this. I mean, there's a lot of things that we get to do, but we have to do this. This is the church's marching orders. Go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. At our church, we take that mission statement from Jesus and we boil it down like this. We say that we're a church family guiding people to take their next step in following Jesus. That, that's what this means for us. You can't have a mission that's separated from this if you're a church. If you really want to follow what Jesus says, you can put it in context and say it however you want to say it, but it has to be this. Let's look at it. Notice what Jesus said. First of all, he said all authority was given to him in heaven and earth. Why? Because he's the risen savior of the world. He was given something by God the Father because he rose from the dead. He conquered sin and death, bore our sins, our sicknesses on the cross, died, buried in a tomb, and rose from the dead. And so he's given all authority, and now he says to us, therefore, go and make disciples. First thing he says, make disciples. You notice what he didn't say is go and make converts. Go and make converts is very different than making disciples. If we make converts, that seems easy, right? That's like checking a box or something like that. Discipleship is the, the process of someone coming to know who Jesus is, experiencing forgiveness of their sins as they place their faith in him, and then begin that long, arduous process, right, of walking with him for the rest of their lives. Discipleship is a lifelong process. It's something that we engage in. It's not con uh, converting people. Uh, I went on a mission trip about 20 years ago uh, to a, a Latin American country. And I was lucky. I went with a huge group of people, and we were separated off into these smaller groups. And we were really lucky in our group that we had a translator with us. And that translator helped us. We went door to door for a week, knocking on doors with a local pastor and just sharing the gospel with people and inviting them to come to a revival. And it was awesome. And, and you know, your mind gets fuzzy as, as things go 20 years away. But I feel like through that week, we probably had somewhere around 10 people actually gave their life to Christ. I mean, it was, it was a really good trip. We all reconvened from all over this geographic area that we had been in. And I remember this leader of the trip saying, how many people did y'all see come to know Christ? And we said, you know, like 10 or something like that. And I remember the look on his face was almost like disappointment with us. And, and I, I kind of couldn't figure it out. You know, it's kind of one of those like, I thought there was more rejoicing in heaven when <laughs> 10, that should be like a lot of rejoicing, right? And it was kind of like, huh. Almost like, what'd you guys do all week? And so we started hearing from these other groups that they had had hundreds of people receive Christ. So I asked one of my friends, I was like, 
did you guys have a translator with you? No, man, we didn't even have a translator. We just took tracks and knocked on people's door, had them read it and said, yes or no. And when they said yes, well, I mean, if you tell somebody like heaven or hell, they're probably going to say yes, right? Is that what we're looking for? Is that what we want? Is, do we want to just have people check a box so that we feel good and, and, and that we've done something? Discipleship isn't that. Making disciples is diving into people's lives and spending time with them, explaining the gospel, walking with them, helping them to understand the fullness of what salvation is. And it's a process for a lot of people. Certainly there are times when people get saved just like that, right? But for a lot of us, how many of us just got saved the first time we ever heard the gospel? For me, I'd grown up in church. It took a long time for me to hear the gospel and respond to it. We understand from, from statisticians that it generally takes seven or eight times for an American to hear the gospel presented fully and receive the gospel. That, that's a lot. We're not after converts. We're after disciples. That's important. Notice what else he said, that it had to be of all nations, right? So we're not just making disciples here but we're making disciples of all nations. Why is that? Because God created everyone in his image. And if you don't believe that, there's something really wrong with your understanding of the scripture. If you don't believe that heaven is going to be the most ethnically diverse place you've ever been, you're missing something in the scriptures. You don't understand it. This is the point. We go into all the world making disciples, right? So that, that's important for us to see that. And as we do that, We'll kind of get back to this in a minute, but we understand that it starts at home and it kind of spreads its way out. We'll see that in just a second. But notice what else he said. He said, you make these disciples of all nations. He said, you baptize them. Now, if you're at home watching the live stream, you're watching a Baptist church service. If you're in the building this morning, I hope you notice the name of the sign. It is Baptist. People are, it's always kind of surprising to me when people come to our church and say, do you really mean that I need to be baptized? Yes. Why? It's a great question. Jesus said to. And notice what he said. He said, you baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, when we look in Scripture, you say, well, do you baptize infants? We don't because in Scripture, we don't have any, any case of that. Every time we see someone baptized, it's post-salvation. They come to know Jesus Christ, and then they're baptized. And you say, well, can you pour on me or, or can you sprinkle on me? You say, well, why, why, why do people do these things and you don't? Well, let's think about this for a second. We recently just celebrated a, a big anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. If you think about it, all churches that you understand as being Protestant in the United States uh, come out of Catholicism as a whole. You remember that Martin Luther, so the Lutherans got it right first, okay? They, they said, you know, it's, it's sola fide, it's by faith alone that we're saved. And, and they said things like sola scriptura, it's only by the scripture that we live our lives. And that kicked off some things, right? And so you have Episcopalian and you have Anglicans and you have, uh, you know, these Lutheran groups and that Baptists are way late to the game. And when Baptists first start, they're called Anabaptists, rebaptizers. Why? Because they were doing just what everybody else was doing. They were baptizing infants just like everybody else was. But what happened was as they began to read the scripture, they said, you know, I don't think this is what this means. This word baptizo, which we now call baptism, it just means immerse. And we always see it after salvation. And so the first Baptists were actually from another denomination. They were rebaptizers, right? And so we believe that that's important. You say, why is that? Because it identifies us with Jesus Christ, buried with him in baptism, 
raised to walk in new life. It's a picture of something that we don't get in any other form, method, or way that we would try to say that this is baptism. It comes through this, and for us, it's the first step of obedience. As a believer, as a disciple, when you step into the waters, it's like crossing the line, isn't it? It's like saying, I'm all in, literally, I'm all in. But then he says this, and this is important, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and I want you to remember I'm with you always till the end of the age. Teaching them. See, that's a a thing that we have to continually do as a church. We're guiding people to take their next step. For some people, their first step is towards salvation. You may not be saved today, and your first step of faith would be towards the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation. For some of us, it's to obey the Lord in baptism. For some of us, it's to obey the Lord in those, those little things, all those things I've commanded you, Jesus says. It's a lifetime of learning to obey the Lord, a lifetime of discipleship. And so we say that we want to plant churches. We want to leave gospel lights everywhere that we go so that there's a way for this to happen all around the world. Now, when we started so many years ago with missions here, The way that we believed we needed to do this was that we said we think that there's something maybe we could do more than just give to the cooperative program. And we still do that, by the way. And we still give to Annie Armstrong. And we still give to Lottie Moon. But there was a way we felt like that we could marry our hearts together with some partners and engage them. And there was a man that came and spoke to us. Do y'all remember Brother Larry? Larry Reeser. Larry came and he had started this ministry called Global Focus. Global Focus isn't new to Judson. It's not something we came up with. We never changed the name. We just said we're a Global Focus church. And what that means is we adopted an Acts 1-8 strategy. Would you make a right turn in your Bibles? It should be a familiar passage to most of you who've been around here because for a long time it was on the back wall of the, the sanctuary back there as you kind of entered the building. Really important for us to see this. Again, this is literally right as Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. And he says this to the disciples. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. So when we adopted the global focus missions ministry mindset... We adopted an Acts 1-8 strategy. So here's what that means. We take Jerusalem to mean that we need to work right here, Nashville, Tennessee. This is our home. So we're involved in missions inside the walls of the church, for sure, sharing the gospel inside the walls. We're also involved in missions outside the walls of the church locally. So how does that look? It, it looks like something when, when you join us in serving with the Legacy Mission Village and uh, the journey program that they do, working with refugees to give them life skills when they get here and they give them the gospel. If you've ever met the Mazara family, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's an incredible ministry where we're helping people get ready for college, learn life skills, but at the same time, we're giving them the gospel. And I love it. One of the things, and Dave's sitting in here this morning, Dave's one of our champions for that group. Uh, one of the the things that I love is that one of our senior adult ladies classes said, hey, that's our ministry. We're all in with that. And so they've partnered with that uh, to make sure that, that they know that there's a church that cares for them, that there's a church that wants to, to help them on their journey. And so we partner with them. We also partner with something called Begin Anew. It used to be called the Christian Women's Job Corps here in Nashville. The problem was they started reaching men, had to change the name. 
Now it's called begin anew. And they take folks and they begin to push them through all kinds of, of things that they need for life skills. So if they need a GED, they help them get that. If they need some coaching on how to interview, they help them do that. They do Bible studies all around the city. And we've had mo- many of you have been involved with that for many years. That's a local ministry that we're partnering with. Now we have something called Recovery Church. Recovery Church used to be a national partner with us until we planted Recovery Church right over here in what we call the big house across the field from us. And, and that's helping people work their recovery process while also giving them a spiritual basis for it to understand that they can be redeemed and saved and have a clean slate before the Lord. And Pastor Jimmy Hagerman, one of our members, has taken that on and they are doing great. That's an incredible ministry right here that you can be a part of. Then Jesus said, but how about you go out into Judea? Well, we say, okay, geographic area outside of our city. That would be like a couple of hours drive from here. And so we have a a ministry that we've supported for numerous years called Lighthouse Christian Camp in Smithville, Tennessee, taking underserved kids out of the cities, bringing them out there for a week in the summer, just loving on those kids, giving them an opportunity to hear the Bible. They get a Bible. They get three meals a day. They get people that take care of them. And then they get to come back at Christmas. If you've never been to one of the Christmas parties, I promise you, you're missing out. It'll change your life. When you go up there and work in the Christmas store, these kids are given money. They're given the gospel at every step of the way. It's just an hour and a half up the road. We also partner with the Knoxville International Church, Philip and Betsy Barr, over in Knoxville, Tennessee, reaching international uh, students and families that have come to Knoxville. And and they're they're reaching an Asian group of people, mainly people who speak Chinese. And and it's just an unbelievable opportunity for us. That's just a couple of hours away. You can drive over, spend the night, work all day and drive back. Then we say, we kind of want to go to that that next area, Samaria. And we call that kind of like nationally, where do we want to go? We've had church plants all around the country that we've supported. Right now we're supporting two in particular, one in Ann Arbor, Michigan uh, that we support and one in Los Angeles, California that we support. And we love church planting. The reason we love church planting is because when we go and do ministry there, we know there's someone there that's going to follow up with them. They're gonna, gonna take care of them. And, and I want you to, to see this. We were supposed to be going to Los Angeles, California with our student ministry this year to work uh, with our church plant out there with Pastor Jason Polk. Just weren't able to do that. But I want you to watch this video update. We normally have these guys here, but I want you to hear from Pastor Jason about how partnership is changing what they're doing. Watch this with me. Well, good morning, Jason. I'm glad that we could uh, get together. We've got Jason Polk here from Echo Church and uh, one of our Level two partners, uh, and they're in their first year of partnership with us, just kind of completing that first year. Jason, for anybody that doesn't know about what you guys are doing, tell them a little bit about your church and how God led you guys to plant. Yeah, about a year ago, we, you know, we headed uh, to LA area to to come and plant. We had a team with us uh, from Tennessee and, and other places, and we just started to meet in our apartment. And it, it started to grow as we continue to cast vision. Um, there were other partnering churches that, that sent other people. We had a family just recently got here from Orlando and, and another couple that just uh, landed here. And so our team started to grow from a core group perspective. And as we started to meet you know, more and more people and pour into and invest into this area, 
uh, the church started to, to grow as, as it got a little tight in our apartment, we kind of shifted gears and we moved into a nonprofit space. And, um, and we just, you know, started growing. God's been blessing and doing a lot of great things. Of course, COVID hit and that's changed everything for like for everyone. But um, God has been so good and God has been so faithful. And uh, we, we just are keeping on going. So, yeah. And so what does it look like for you guys right now as you have kind of had to shift through the restrictions of the pandemic and things like that? What does that, what does that mean for you? Yes, most people have seen California has kind of taken the, the, you know, the very, I mean, we are going to be all in towards this uh, quarantine and, and lockdown, and especially with the governor and some of his regulations that he's uh, given to us. And so once again, we're all in the same boat here in California. Everybody's dealing with the same thing. Uh, the biggest thing was not gathering. Um, and they said, first, you can't sing and then you can't. Uh, if you if you gather, you can only have like 25 percent occupancy, which wasn't going to happen. And then um, and then he said, you, you can't gather. And so for us, we were blessed. God I mean, just incredibly blessed us with a with an outdoor space. And we were able to um, to go outdoors. We have electricity. We've got a stage. We've got plenty of room. And honestly, we have more room now outside than we did in our nonprofit space. Yeah. And so we were even starting to max out a little bit that space. And so now we're we're planning on pastor. We're planning on launching. I think in our outdoor space, it's been we just have plenty of room, and it's just such a sweet experience with with our group. And so yeah. So I'm gonna have a video overlaid right now uh, and kind of get you to maybe describe it for us. You, you recently baptized somebody in the ocean, yeah. right? So that, that was kind of a cool experience. Tell us a little bit about that as they're seeing that kind of play out. Unbelievable. So one of the very first uh, people that, that we met that started to come to our church was this, this, uh, this girl barista that was, started playing violin for us. It was just an incredible story of her her coming uh, to be a part, but but because of our people loving on her so well, she started to invite other baristas. We had 10 baristas coming, and, and this guy was one of those baristas, had um, just a, a really, I wish I could tell you the whole story in his testimony, but I can't, but incredible testimony of God's faithfulness and bringing him from a, from a past that wasn't um, uh, Christ-like and wasn't of faith and, and brought him out of that. Um, he met Jesus. Um, we've been discipling him, and he was he was our first baptism, and it was just an incredible day of celebration for for him, for the church, for all that God is doing. And uh, we got to baptize him in the, in the Pacific Ocean. It was it was just beautiful. It was incredible. Yeah, that I mean that video is just so great, man. That's just that really did my heart well to see that because that's one of the things that we're missing right now in. In COVID, as we haven't been together, and you know, I, I yeah. miss seeing the baptismal water stirred. So that was, yeah, that was awesome to see that. Uh, what, what do you, what do you say? You know, we didn't get to take our youth this year. We'd hoped that we were gonna, have, that was gonna be our student trip. Was gonna be going to LA to meet with you right. guys and work with y'all. Even though we haven't been able to do that, how how have you guys been affected by the partnership, and what does that do for you guys to be in partnership with another church? Yeah, so we, you know, we say very generally three things, you know, to we we ask churches to uh, to pray weekly, to to 
to give monthly, to go yearly. And because of that third kind of thing, it's hard to go right now. We say, hey, continue. And I promise church, you know, pastor didn't ask me to say this. When you give to this church, um, you you give to efforts like ours and, and others that are that are um, outside of the Nashville area that are that are that are doing missions in places like this and and so continue to give and as uh, Judson is, is faithful to give to to us that's incredible but also pray would you please pray we've seen it um, I, I know that if you are a praying person you've seen it in your life. We see it. Just God continues, Pastor, to open up doors for us. We, we're, I, I don't, I can't explain how we have this outdoor space. There's nobody that has a space like this. And God has been growing our church. We had, we, we've added like 10 people each week. And we've only been gathering for outside now for, uh, you know, for three or four weeks now. And so God has been faithful and we know it's because of prayer. W- would you continue to pray, I'm telling you, we feel it. You know, we we know it. We see it. Uh, please continue to pray. That's a, that's a big deal. And we'll do it. Our whole emphasis this year is going to be giving and praying because we can't go this uh, year. So we're just going to give and pray and trust that God is going to continue to use that. And we know that we'll be together again soon. We hope, uh, and yeah. we hope that we'll have feet on the ground with you guys uh, in the near future. I know we're we're just. We're not saying no to that trip. We're just pushing it back a little bit because we're ready and sure. excited to be there. And thanks for joining us today and know that we'll be yeah. praying for you. God bless you today, okay? Thank you, Pastor. Thank you so much. All right, take care. All right, you too. This gets you excited to see somebody baptized in the ocean. Isn't that good? Isn't that good to see life transformation happening? We forget that sometimes, right? We, we think that the mission stopped just because it doesn't look like it always looked. The mission never stops. And where we can't be, we have people who are there and, and we're supporting that. And so, you know, we normally ask you to give, engage, and go. And this year we're saying give and pray because it's hard to engage. We normally bring all of our partners here, can't do it. We, we normally go, can't do it right now. But there will be a day where we will be giving, engaging, and going again. And so you kind of see that on the national level. And then we call the ends of the earth. That's exactly what we call that last team. We go all over the earth. This year we have one partner that we're keeping uh, from the ends of the earth team. And that's Marvina Hooper with Casa David. And they operate kind of like a Ronald McDonald's house in Honduras. And you'll be hearing from her in the coming weeks. And I think you'll be excited to hear how God is not just uh, maintaining ministry, but is expanding ministry, even in the midst of this. They're looking at expansion because opportunities just keep opening up. Well, as we think about that for us, we say, you know, what, what does this year look like for us? Well, I was reminded of a quote that Abraham Lincoln once said. He said that if you gave him six hours to chop down a tree, he'd take the first four and sharpen the ax. And I feel like that that's what we're doing this year. We, we were gonna have a reset with some of our Global Focus stuff anyway because so many of you were never here when we took Global Focus training. And so our plan had been to take the Sunday that would be our Global Impact Celebration and, and just have an afternoon of training. Aren't gonna be able to do that, obviously, as, as we would like. We'll do it later this year, I promise. We'll get it done uh, before the end of next year. We'll have someone here and we're gonna ask you to do something. The first thing that I'm asking you to do is that when that training happens, Move heaven and earth to be there for it. We all need a refresher. It's time to sharpen the ax again and just get our minds and our hearts 
ready for that because this won't last forever. And guess what? We'll start doing again. We'll start going and we'll keep engaging. All those kind of things. We'll be developing new partnerships. I've told you already that by God's grace, we didn't have to let go any of our partners. We were able to keep all of them this year. And, and what we've done is any partner that was rolling off this year, we've allowed them to roll off in the finishing of that kind of three-year window that we normally adopt with a global focus partner. But what we've done is said to our partners that we have, we want to support you this year. It's crucial that you stay where you're at and that we fully fund you. So you know that we normally ask you to give to three things in Global Focus, right? The first thing that we, we ask you to do is kind of get ready. This would kind of be the week that we'd start getting ready to buy gifts for our partners that were coming, right? Well, we're not doing that this year. They're not coming. We're not buying those gifts. We don't have to worry about that. Mark that one off. But that leaves the other two. And the other two are really important. There's two things that we fund through the missions offering every year. One is what we call a one-day offering. And that's kind of a project that we believe really needs kick-starting. And on September 20th, when we have our Global Impact Celebration Sunday, we'll have a guest speaker here named Ronnie Floyd from the Southern Baptist Convention. You'll be blessed. But here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna kick-start again Another language with faith comes by hearing. Now, how many of y'all remember faith comes by hearing, right? What do they do? They take the Bible as it's being translated and they record it in a dramatic recording so that people can hear because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so many people, if we translated the Bible for them in their language and gave it to them, couldn't read it. So what do we do? We pay for one of those languages to be translated. I believe that we have done seven of those languages so far, and I've instructed Faith Comes By Hearing to go ahead and do a language in India this year because we have a partnership in India this year. Missions Voice, if you remember that, and Brother Tony Evans uh, and Brother V who have come and spoken and been with us, we, we have an opportunity there, and so we're going to do a language there. Now, it costs $35,000 to do a language. This year, we're gonna do it a little different. We've always set these big goals. No goal this year. You just know what it costs, right? And anything you give to the mission offering on that Sunday will go directly to that. And you'll hear from Morgan Jackson. We'll have a video from him in a couple of weeks. And you'll be excited about what God's doing because it's crazy how fast this is running now. And we believe that every tribe, every tongue, every nation deserves to hear the scripture in their heart language. We believe that. So we're working to that end. Now, I don't have to tell you that in the past, the first time we ever did one of these offerings, it was with Faith Comes By Hearing. And we set a goal of $35,000 and I think you guys gave eighty. dollars Last year, we had the Timothy Initiative here with us. And do you remember their church in every village initiative that they wanted to do? We set a goal of $70,000 so that we could plant 233 churches in North Africa. You guys gave 99,000. Now here's the thing, I know that you're gonna give to this language. I'm not worried about it. We need to fund a language, that's good. But here's the important thing. It's that faith promise offering we take all the way through the year. I'm gonna talk more about this a little bit later, but I wanna just say to you, this is really important. What we can't do is throw all of our eggs in the basket of the one-day offering and not support our mission partners all through the year. That's, that's really crucial that we keep them funded, right? Really crucial that we allow them to stay on the field. That church in Los Angeles, you're a part of that baptism. That, that's, that's us. 
We may not have been there, but that's us. We're part of those things. We're part of Casa David. We're part of Legacy Mission Village. We're part of these things every time we give and every time we engage and every time we go. I want to kind of close our service this morning with this thought. How will you give and how will you pray? That, that's what we want to do. We know that right now the going has to be that other people are in our place right there in Los Angeles, but we will get there. But this year, how will you give and how will you pray? Would you begin over the next three weeks spending time praying for our mission partners? We're going to help you with that. We give you a mission book every year with all of our partners, a little bio. This year, we're gonna mail them to your house. Everybody's gonna get one. You're gonna get your offering envelope for the one-day offering. You're gonna get the faith promise card that explains how we do this, that if God would give through us, what could we give to the mission? All of that. So we've got a couple of weeks to do this, but would you start praying for our partners? Would you start praying about how God would use you to give to missions this year? so that we can keep this going. This is an important time. It's a crucial time for us. It's a time where we don't want any of our partners to have to fall back off the field or come home because they don't have the support of the church. Let's make sure that we do that as we go, making disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. That's our goal. That's our mission, guiding people to take their next step in following Jesus. I want to pray for us really quick, and then I need to share something with you before we dismiss today. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this season, and we pray, Father, over the next three weeks, you'd speak to our hearts and minds, and that you would help us, Lord, to understand how you're moving, how you're working. We praise you for that baptism we just saw. Father, would you increase it? Would you allow us to see people changed by the gospel this year, Lord? We confess today our weakness, but we confess our strength is in your name. And we confess, Lord, that you are working even when it feels like we're in a paused situation. God, would you keep doing it? Revive our hearts, Lord. Change our nation. Lord, make us a light to the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.